The views expressed on this show by guests and the host on issues outside of the 9-11 controlled demolition evidence are the opinions of those individuals alone and do not necessarily reflect those of our consistent engineers in 9-11 truth. Today we're joined again by Craig McKee. He's been a journalist in Montreal for over 30 years, covering news and entertainment. He is the writer at Truth and Shadows, a blog everybody should check out. I love to see whenever he has a new post on there. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Justice Rising, the event that now was two weeks ago, I believe. And a lot of great speakers, a lot of great information covered there. We're going to be telling you why you should be going into the archives and watching this. But Craig, first I just want to say welcome back to 9-11 Freefall. Thanks very much, Andy. I'm glad to be back with you. So let's just uh, pay a little homage to the work that went into this event, and I know that you've seen a lot of the people involved in everything that was going on. You want to comment on that? Yeah, there was... A tremendous amount of work went into it, that's that's for sure. Um, I mean, I had some involvement, but certainly not nearly as much uh, as, you know, as people like Richard and uh, and uh, Kelly David and yourself and Ted Walter and uh, and Jeff Long, our, our graphics guy. You know, there was tre- just some tremendous work that was done uh, to, to pull this all together. And uh, I had some involvement in, in writing content for the website for the conference, which, which uh, I was happy to do. But uh, you know, it's a it's the kind of thing where it's something can take place in a couple of days, but it takes weeks of planning to really make sure that it comes off. And uh, you know, I think it show, it was so successful. I think that that I you know I hope we'll we'll see more of this in the future, more of this type of thing because it's. It's not that it's better than than doing doing a, a live conference because there's a lot of there's a lot that's good about having a conference with people in an audience and everything, um, but it is just more, it's easier to get people together this way um, when they perhaps are not uh, otherwise able to travel. You know, we wouldn't have had uh, as likely anyway. We wouldn't have had people like Danielle Ganser from Switzerland. And uh, Niels Harrit, you know, from Denmark, and and other people, and James Corbett from Japan, you know, these people wouldn't have been able to participate in a in a live uh, in person kind of conference. Um, so I it it really opened up some some ideas, I guess, for for things that could be done in the future. But it was a it was a tremendous success, I think, and and I, I feel it was one of the strongest lineups that I've seen at a conference that deals with 9-11 in quite a number of years. And there have been some great ones, like the Justice in Focus one that AE organized a few years back was terrific. Um, but, you know, you really have to go back to the Toronto hearings, I think, in 2011 to really see um, this kind of a strong lineup for, for a conference like this. I think it was great, and it covered a really good variety of, of subjects. It didn't just sort of focus on one thing. 
but uh, and I know we're you know we're going to get into more I guess uh, about what was covered, but uh, it was just yeah it, it just I think is a, was a really well organized thing and and I have to take my hat off to uh, to everybody that really devoted you know so much time to it and and I have to give you a compliment Andy for your the video that you did at the beginning I thought was terrific which is kind of overview of the history of of eighty nine eleven truth and some of the the things that maybe you know maybe get forgotten as time goes on that things that you know in the development of the organization and some of the encounters and I particularly like that, that encounter you had with that reporter who you know told you to f off I thought that was great um, so yeah so I mean I guess that's my overall impression of the event and I think it generally has been received really well by but everybody that I've talked to. You know what's crazy is I forgot all about that incident until I was doing this video and looking for things to put in there. So things that I had forgotten about too, about the fact that AE had been listed in that PowerPoint when they did that hearing on radicalization on the internet and they're smacking AE right in between terrorist groups and uh, jihadis and all of this stuff. I can't imagine what that must have been like for Richard to see that. And uh, I haven't really had a chance to discussed that with him on this show or even outside of the show since um, remembering when that all happened. So uh, a lot of interesting history and stuff that has gone on behind the scenes and out in the open here with AE 9-11 Truth, as you would expect for the number one group challenging the government on the number one event that has changed the course of everyone's life here in this country and in this world. So uh, let's just jump right into it. Now, there were presentations that focused on the technical aspects of 9-11, and they were great, obviously very informative. There isn't much for us to say because we talk about this stuff all of the time, and the evidence is the evidence. But Roland did an awesome job, and there was a presentation with Ted, Tony Zambodi, Mick Harrison. They covered the request for correction very well. Uh, a lot of nuts and bolts of how NIST is full of baloney, so I definitely want everyone to check those presentations out. But like I said, there's not much to comment on here on Freefall uh, because it's pretty cut and dry what they laid out there. So let's begin then with Matt Campbell. He's pursuing a new inquest of his brother's death, and I know we've covered it here before on this show, but this is a big thing, trying to get justice over in Great Britain. But what's your thoughts on the whole initiative that Matt Campbell is pursuing? Well, I think it's just it's one more great angle that can be taken to 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 try to crack open the door, I guess, of this of this deception. Um, and that's that's really what we're doing. We're we're looking at a variety of ways to to penetrate the lie and to start to pull it apart for the for the general public. I mean, we we know it's a lie, but unfortunately, a lot of people are very, as we all know, are very resistant to this idea, uh, even if subconsciously they they suspect it. Um, they're very very resistant. So we kind of have to. You know, we can never put all our eggs in one basket, and we haven't. Um, so this is just one more way. I mean, if this if this succeeds, and it seems like based on the on the legal uh, side of things and what the law says over there, it seems like it should. It seems like that there that they could definitely make the case that information that was uh, presented at at the inquest, the the original inquest. Um, you know, there was information lacking, and the lacking information was, uh, you know, related to the clear evidence for a controlled demolition at the World Trade Center. So, uh, 
anything that can get that evidence into a courtroom has is definitely got to be attempted. And and I I think I mean you know who knows what will happen, but it's it really is a, a, a wonderful opportunity I think um, because you know the law is there you know the law says that if information that is pertinent wasn't presented that that that's grounds for reopening the inquest or holding a new one or however it's technically uh, described. So I, I've got to say this, I'm kind of excited about this and, and uh, you know, people have really come come forward uh, wonderfully to donate to, to this to this cause so that they can afford the lawyer and afford the, the whole court procedure because these things, as we all know, are not cheap. Um, so, and, and, you know, we've, we've gotten so, so close to the, to the, the amount required. We're getting there. You know, I'm excited about it. I mean, I, I, I was already familiar with the facts of this just because I listened to free fall when you, when you interviewed Mr. Campbell. Um, and, uh, and I've, I've read the, uh, you know, the material that we have on the website and everything. But I think, I think this is something that, you know, people are going to become more and more aware of as we go. And that, and, uh, it'll be, it'll be quite exciting if, if this evidence can be, can be brought into a courtroom, it's going to be really precedent setting, I think. So yeah, that's, those are my impressions. And, uh, you know, Campbell is just a, uh, Matt Campbell is just such a, a dedicated person to this cause. And, you know, in the memory of his brother, I mean, he has a, you know, we all have reasons to care about this, but, you know, he has a real, a personal reason to care uh, more than most of us, um, because he lost somebody there. So, uh, you know, it takes people like that who are prepared to go that extra, there's a cliche, extra mile, the extra several miles that, that it takes to achieve some kind of breakthrough. So you really have to take your hat off to them. Right, and we got to support these things when they come up, because we have to work through the justice system. What other alternative is there, realistically? And if you have somebody, even if it's in another country, I mean, imagine if this goes our way, how hard it is going to be for Congress and for NIST in terms of defending their reports to go against a country that's probably considered the biggest ally of the United States. I mean, a ruling like this. And, I mean, can you imagine that we are here now? I mean, we've got the request for correction going on. We've got this project going on in the U.K. I mean, these things were not happening 10 years ago in 9-11 Truth on the level that they're happening now. The University of Alaska study, I mean, we are just popping up right now all over the place with all of these weapons for our activists to use. And we're keeping on going, obviously. This is just the beginning of it. But this is a testament to the fortitude of the 9-11 Truth movement, of people at AE 9-11 Truth, going after these very serious initiatives. And I'm so proud of us and where we are right now. Part of that, too, is what's going on at the Lawyers Committee. Now, they gave a presentation. It was Mick Harrison, Dave Meiswinkle, and Barbara Honiger. Interesting enough, a large part of it surrounded the anthrax attacks and their new actions with that. So why don't you uh, lay that out for our audience, give us your impressions of that presentation and development. Yeah, I was fascinated by that because uh, it was new. I mean, it was new. The, the subject isn't new to me, but the but their uh, approach and their uh, decision to get involved in that is is a really a new development. And uh, I've always thought that the anthrax attacks and, and we can use, I, I want to say, we can use the word attacks 
when we talk about anthrax because the people that were receiving the anthrax didn't know that, you know, they were not part of anything. I think it, it, you know, we, we have to be careful when we talk about the 9-11 attacks. Um, and I hope people in the truth room are aware enough not to use that term because that suggests sort of a, an external enemy. But anyway, uh, you know, anthrax is, is something that's been under explored by our movement, I think. And, um, and I would recommend that, uh, well, I, first of all, I recommend Graham McQueen's book on the subject, which I think, I, geez, I can't remember the exact title, but it's something like the 2001 Anthrax Conspiracy or something. But I, I'm sure I've got that a little bit wrong. But, um, but it's, a, it's a very important, because it really, we virtually have proof that this, that this attack came from somewhere within the, you know, American government or the American military. It's, it's, not, it's not an external enemy that, that came up with this extremely refined and, you know, advanced um, anthrax, you know. And so we know that that, you know, the note that said that this was to, you know, attack, this was because of, you know, the U.S., I think it's it mentioned Israel or whatever. So this whole thing about it being Muslim extremist, it, you know, is a, is a lie. So that was a, that's a proven false flag. So um, I think it's great that the Lawyers Committee has decided to, uh, to, to go after that. And I, I, you know, they certainly made the case very clearly and, and something I've always agreed with, which is that, that, that Bruce Ivins, who was accused of this, um, you know, certainly did not do it. And as Barbara Honiger says, could not have done it. And I think it's important just for, you know, as we're fighting for the memory of somebody like Jeff Campbell, you know, we should also fight for the memory of, of, of somebody like Ivins, who is, who is a victim in this as well. And, uh, and it's interesting that it was pointed out that uh, during the presentation that, that there was a grand jury. Uh, we're trying to get a grand jury now to, on 9-11, but there was a grand jury that looked at the anthrax attacks. And as soon as Ivan's allegedly committed suicide, that was the end of the grand jury. They just closed it down. Kind of like, kind of like, you know, well, once they decided Lee Harvey Oswald had killed Kennedy, well then, you know, there's, that's pretty much all they needed to know. So, um, so I found that whole thing fascinating and I thought the presentations that the, uh, that the three did were, were very interesting. And, um, I, yeah, so I would recommend anybody who maybe doesn't know a, a whole lot about that subject. And I think that's, you know, you could say that about many of us or most of us that we don't know as much about that as we could. Uh, to check that out, and I would, and, and check out Graham McQueen's book because what I liked particularly about Graham's book was that he really brings home how the media were, you know, preparing us for this during the during the days after 9/11, but before the whole thing started in October. There were references co- popping up all over the media about well, the next thing will be a bioterrorist attack and some sort of biological agent and whatever. So it's hard not to, to think that these were all, that these ideas were all intentionally planted in the media for, for us to sort of turn our, the focus of our fear, you know, away from uh, 9-11 for, uh, for a moment and be, be afraid of something else um, that they could also blame on, on, on Muslim terrorists. So, very interesting, and uh, I haven't had a chance to go over the uh, 
the details of their petition that they have on their website or the, all the exhibits. But I definitely, uh, you know, plan to do that. I always consider the anthrax attacks to be part of 9-11, even if they didn't happen on the exact same day. It was still part of the campaign of terror to terrorize the people at home and get us to uh, submit our liberties and go along with these wars afterwards. So, yeah, it's all part of it. It's like the sequel to 9-11, in my view. And I think people should be more interested in this. And, you know, definitely I think uh, I should be covering this a little bit more. And I don't think there's as much emotional baggage attached to the anthrax attacks aspect of 9-11 either because it doesn't involve these images of towers coming down. It involves just the people that were caught up in it, including Bruce Ivins. So I think there's some chance for some real success there. I I learned something, actually, that I didn't know from uh, Dave Meiswinkle from the Lawyers Committee, that 12 people were... I guess not. They weren't. They didn't die, but they were uh, made sick. I guess from the anthrax after when they were they were part of the people investigating the anthrax and examining it. They got sick from it. So this was something I I'd never heard before. Um, so that was interesting. And I, I think you're right. It, it is part of 9/11, very much so. Very much so part of 9/11. And it doesn't have the same emotional baggage, but it has it, it has tremendous importance because. Um, and Graham, speaking of Graham McQueen, it's not like I'm, I'm his uh, publicist or something, but he, he did. Uh, he's, he's written about the, the pressure that, are, that is, has been put in different uh, events on uh, legislative bodies, and this is an example of that, where you know uh, Leahy and Dashiell received this this anthrax, and they were two key people in you know that were maybe not moving on the passage of the Patriot Act along as, as quickly as uh, people in the administration wanted. So it was no accident that those two were, were uh, targeted. So it's, very, it's a very important thing. It's another, it's another way to kind of shed some light on the whole 9-11 story. Absolutely. So the next day, it was Saturday, and we started off talking about the upcoming film, called Seven. One of the producers is uh, Chief Operating Officer Kelly David. She was on there along with Dylan Avery, who's making the film, and Leroy Halsey, whose work, I would say, plays a large part in the movie. It's always great to hear about all the work that goes into things like this. And folks, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a great 9-11 film. It's not going to be uh, like any of the others. It's The way it's all presented, it's, it's like something you would see kind of a mainstream movie theater. So what was your impressions after watching that, Craig? I was glad to see that segment, and I think, you know, you get a chance to find out that some of the people that really, like, I mean, Kelly has put tons and tons of work into this film over, you know, the last few months, and uh, and I think it's great that uh, that, that Dylan Avery is, is involved um, because, you know, I mean, Loose Change was a, a hugely important thing in in the you know exposure of the 9-11 lie really a lot of people woke up because of loose change so i i think it's great that you know it's more than a decade later well well over a decade later i guess that uh close to 15 years that later that uh that he returns to the subject of of 9-11 and you can see that his his filmmaking skills are are considerable you know he's he's a professional filmmaker he's not just somebody who sort of pops up and does 9-11 videos this is a guy that makes other documentaries and they have been nominated for prizes and i guess won prizes so 
um, this is it's going to be very exciting when this comes out, and uh, you know, I just hope that as, as many uh, non-truthers as possible can can see it because it's definitely a big step forward. As you said, it's 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 a prof- level of professional quality that you know we don't always see in in kind of YouTube videos, 9/11 related. So as much as those have been valuable. So it was great to kind of hear from both of them, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to that film, which is you know we we will be seeing in the in the weeks ahead for before too long. We're going to be taking steps to try to get it out to as many people as possible. Kelly's involved with that; she can comment on that further than me. I just know all the work that's being put into it behind the scenes. Very good effort there. And again, this is one another one of those things that can you believe we're here? Like, can you believe that we've gotten this far with all of the legal actions that are going on and now the quality of movies that we're putting out? Great that our supporters keep us going here so that we can do these kinds of things. And, um, and then Saturday we had a roundtable with Richard, of course, who was emceeing, Niels Herrett, Stephen Jones, and none other than David Ray Griffin. He's not actually been on the show yet. I think we need to make that happen. But what did you think about seeing all those guys together on the screen? That was pretty amazing, and and I think it's it's probably the best example of something that we could not have done with a traditional conference, because I don't think we... It would have been difficult to assemble those three guys in one place. But So so this gave us a a really great opportunity uh, to to get them together and and yeah David Ray Griffin I mean he continues to write books but we haven't seen him speak at a conference I can't remember him speaking at a conference since Toronto in 2011 uh, which I was there in person for and spoke to David at the time so it was yeah it was great to see him back and uh, you could certainly see that Richard you know was emotional about how how important uh, you know the the contribution of these three has been to our movement, um, particularly, you know, in the earlier years, not to say that the contributions only in the early years, but, but especially in those crucial first, you know, the first decade where this whole deception had to really be revealed to as many people as possible. And certainly Griffin's done that with his books. I mean, I, I would say his books have probably been as much as important to me in terms of you know, showing me how the the whole 9-11 story is false in in virtually all aspects, everything about it. And he he does it in such a methodical way that, you know, he just kind of lays it out. Here's what the government's saying, and here's here's what the evidence shows. Um, And, yeah, Stephen Jones, we haven't seen him in in a long time, you know, publicly anyway, uh, talking about 9-11. So that that was great. And Niels Harrod, you know, unlike the other two, Niels Harrod has been... You know, I don't know if he is right now, particularly with this world situation, but he certainly uh, has been lecturing on the subject and making presentations, not only in his home country, but, you know, in countries all over the world. I mean, I actually met Niels in person when he came to Montreal in Canada uh, in, I believe, 2016 uh, for the uh, World Social Forum. And uh, so I got a chance to meet him. Uh, at that time, and he uh, he made a presentation along with uh, Elizabeth Woodward about the evidence. And, uh, you know, I think he's been one of the most kind of steady forces on this, along with, with our own Richard Gage, in terms of pr- making this evidence uh, available to people all over the world. So, again, the three, getting the three together was amazing, and uh, I think it was a, probably a lift for people in the truth movement to see that, you know, 
these people are, can be brought together and, and we can hear from them. So I think I think there was a you know a positive effect all around. I would say. And now in our last few minutes here, we haven't even gotten to the Sunday speakers, which I found to be the. And it's not a contest or anything, but I found it to be the most interesting because just doing what I do here on the show, I don't get to hear from these voices very often. But we had Daniela Ganser. Uh, talking about false flag terror. We had John Whitehead. He talked about the police state that's grown up around us. Of course, that's a result of 9-11 and everything that spawned from it. And it finally wrapped up with more than interesting, and that's an understatement, presentation by James Corbett on increasing Internet censorship, an issue that I take up very dearly. What was your impressions of all those great speakers we had that day? Well, I I had the same reaction that you did. It was just... uh it was great to have the three of them on the same day and to have it organized that way. Um, and they were all fantastic and they all looked at things from a slightly different angle, but they were looking at the same story, but from a slightly different angle. Uh, Ganser is somebody I've, I've always thought very highly of. I mean, he's, you know, his work on Operation Gladio, which I'm, I'm thinking that people listening to this, many or most know what that is, but if you don't, uh, definitely look it up. He's done a great book on the subject. But of course, Operation Gladio was was an operation, a secret operation, where you know that involved the CIA and NATO uh, conducting terrorist attacks in European countries like Italy, and then blaming them on leftist extremist groups. Uh, so these were false flags. This is absolute 100% proof that false flags were being carried out um, by the U.S. government and by NATO in order to deceive people about you know what one group or another group was was doing kind of you know making it seem like they were violent when they they were not or or may not have been uh, that was a, that was really interesting and, and to get into some of the history and he talked about operation northwoods which is also something i think a lot of our audience is familiar with but boy if there's ever something to to get across to people who are not on board with 911 truth it's definitely Operation Northwoods because it's so many of the elements of it kind of uh, make one think of 9-11. Right, and of course, Whitehead uh, talking about police state, as I said, and, and Corbett, I thought, to be most important to alternative news, some of the advice that he was talking about in terms of uh, weathering the storm as they try to crack down on all free speech here on the Internet and shove their narrative that's falling apart down our throats on various issues. Definitely worth checking out. Of course, at the end of each day, I should mention, too, there was a poetry reading by Benny Willis, a very funny guy, and that was a good last-minute edition there, good way to wrap up every single day. So, folks, look, you don't have to pay for any of this. It's out there for free on YouTube. You can check that out right off of our webpage, AE911Truth.org. Go on YouTube. Type in the search terms, you'll find it, and there you go. Definitely worth having and seeing and sharing with many people. Craig, thank you so much for recapping this with me and all the work that you do for us, and thanks for coming on 9-11 Freefall today. Glad to, Andy, anytime. This program is on every Thursday night on No Lies Radio at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, and every other Sunday night on BBS Radio at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. You can also keep track of the archives by going to 911freefall.com. This is Andy Steele. Say have a great week. Good luck.